the mm -hmm. typical American eating the standard American diet, what's their daily fiber intake looking like? Oh, bless their hearts. It's not looking very good. So in these lovely United States, about 90% of women and 97% of men are not getting enough fiber, right? So even the sort of the dietary guidelines, the they want people getting women aged, I think it's 19 to 50, they want them getting 25 grams of fiber and men getting 38 grams of fiber. And the average American, and this is everyone, including kiddos too, but ages two and older, they're getting 16 grams per day. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate you raising your health IQ with us. And this is episode number 30 of season 4 here on the Exam Room. Number 225 overall. And on this 225th episode, we will be putting the focus on fiber. It is perhaps the most talked about nutrient here on the show, and for good reason. Because frankly, fiber rocks. Fiber rocks. Does so much good for the body. And today we will be talking all about it and answering the question, how can you tell if you're getting enough fiber? Are you? Even if you're eating a plant-based diet, it may not be a bad idea to get a fiber check or two. But then when you compare the amount of fiber being taken in by people who eat the plant-based diet to those who eat that standard American diet, holy cow, is there ever a difference? So, helping us understand how we can tell if we're getting enough fiber is perhaps the perfect person for this job. And that is our very own fiber queen, dietitian Lee Crosby. So she will be here with the ins and outs of getting your fiber checked here on the show today, the best sources, and even a system to tally up the amount of fiber that you're eating, making sure that your fiber score is where it needs to be. So we're gonna be speaking with Lee in just a little bit. But first today, with Earth Day falling this month, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the results of a new survey. And this was a survey of about 4,000 medical professionals. And this group was asked about whether they thought it was their responsibility to talk to their patients about the effects of climate change. And of those 4,000 medical professionals, 86% of them said yes. And even more, 90% said that those talks shouldn't stop in the exam room, but they should also be speaking with policymakers, their senators, their congressmen and congresswomen. And also, of those medical professionals, three out of four also stated that they would like to have continuing medical education on climate change and how that can impact their patients' health. That's pretty interesting. This survey was published in the Lancet Planetary Health, and you can find a link to that in the episode notes. And by the way, the Physicians Committee happens to offer three continuing education courses that offer credits. And one of them is actually called Eating As If The World Depends On It. 
That's a pretty cool course. So there are three in all that deal with climate and you can find a link to them in the episode notes. And next week on the podcast, we're going to have a special series featuring Dr. Neil Barnard and Dr. Martin Heller, where we take a close look at the environment and how what it is that you are eating, perhaps right now even, what you are eating, what the impact of that is on the environment. And Dr. Heller will be talking about a brand new study that he just published that looks at the effect of various foods and water scarcity. So how much water does it take to grow or produce or manufacture certain foods? He's got that broken all down. So we're going to be getting into that paper with him. And it was really, really incredible how his team was able to tally these estimates looking at the impact of so many different kinds of foods. And Dr. Barnard and I, we're going to be talking about the bigger picture still. We're going to be talking about the environmental destruction that is caused by an animal-heavy diet. Talking about everything from beef and chicken to the fish that are farmed at the bottom of the sea and the dead zones that are now being created by toxic runoff from farms. Another tremendously eye-opening interview, and it's certainly something that you are going to want to hear. But today, the focus is on fiber. Are you getting enough? And what are the best sources of fiber? Well, let's dial up the fiber queen, Lee Crosby, to get those answers. Time to talk about the F word here on the exam room podcast brought to you by the physicians committee and of course we're talking about fiber it is perhaps the nutrient of choice here on the show of many doctors and nutritionists who come on and my guest today is certainly someone who celebrates fiber up one side and down the other she is the fiber queen she is a dietitian she is fantastic she is the one she is the only lee crosby lee thanks so much for being here fiber queen and <laughs> delighted to be here chuck it's my favorite topic i know that it is and you are the favorite and and actually the best person that i could think of to do a fiber segment here because we're I was the only person you could think of wasn't i <laughs> i mean when it comes to fiber pretty much i mean you're I'll a shoo-in you're a shoo-in um, so here's the thing, like we talk so much when it comes to a whole food plant-based diet or even a plant-based diet, just how much fiber are you getting? It should come naturally if, if you're eating all of these plant foods, but then how do you really know? And today we're going to kind of figure that out. How does a person know if they're getting enough fiber? Exactly. It is... So it can be as easy or as hard as you want it to be, if that makes any sense. But we're going to push the easy button on this. So oh yeah, it's going to be a good. It's going to be it's going to be a good few minutes here, Chuck. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of the easy button. Let's start with how much fiber the average person is getting. Okay, so take the uh, oh, vegan diet, the plant based diet, out of the equation. Just the typical mm -hmm. American eating the standard American diet. What's their daily fiber intake looking like? Oh, bless their hearts. It's not looking very good. So in these lovely United States, about 90% of women and 97% of men are not getting enough fiber, right? So even the sort of the dietary guidelines, the they want people getting women to get 
women aged, I think it's 19 to 50, they want them getting 25 grams of fiber and then getting 38 grams of fiber. And the average American, and this is everyone, including kiddos too, but ages two and older, they're getting 16 grams per day. And if you want to know specifics, like in the age categories, I'll just give you an example. In ages 20 to 39, uh, the average man is getting 18 grams of fiber and the average woman is getting 15. And again, we're looking for, at Barnard Medical Center, we are recommending 35 to 40 grams of fiber a day, but these don't even meet the USDA sort of dietary guidelines. So nowhere close, like half of what people should be getting. And you know what's interesting to me, doing a little legwork and and research for today's show was going through and actually pulling out some research, the NHANE study, which gets talked about so much, they actually broke down fiber intake uh, by age, you know, the typical fiber intake. And then you look at how much a person is eating. Really, it's only a small fluctuation between your teenage years, your young years, and then as you get a little bit older, and you would think as you get older, you would put even a higher premium or maybe a premium for the first time on fiber. But the increase in the diet is not substantial at all. No, yeah. And then part of that's because people are going to decrease how much they're eating as they age. But again, you would think that you'd be wanting to crank up the fiber a little bit more as things as you age and as maybe things slow down a little bit or as cholesterol rises. But no, it's we are just not we are not doing the best job on diet here in the United States. No. I know that surprises you. Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. Louise. Breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news here, Fiber yeah. Queen. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it looks like uh, fiber intake by and large maxes out in a person's 40s and 50s. And then mm -hmm. it kind of tapers off as you were talking about. That to me is just, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. And so we talked a little bit about how much fiber does the person actually need. And uh, just kind of uh, going back it ramps up and then it, do you need less as you get older, as you're eating less? Do you, do you, do your requirements fall or, or does that hold steady? Well, again, it's more just, it's, so these recommendations, particularly from um, the government, those are based on the number of calories you eat per day. So they're recommending 14 grams of fiber per thousand calories of food per day. So that's why it's not that your needs necessarily change overall. It's just that you're you are, they are expecting that you will be eating less food. Um, your gut flora would probably like you to go ahead and continue getting a higher amount. Absolutely. Because that's what they, that's what they eat. Your healthy bugs eat the fiber that you feed them. So if you don't feed them any, they're going to starve. And that's, we don't want, we want a happy, we want a happy zoo in our gut. Yeah. A happy zoo, a harmonious yeah. place. Harmonious um, so that's a sanctuary for gut flora. There you go. A gut flora sanctuary. Oh my goodness. Uh, you can make your donations on Facebook, everybody. <laughs> oh, um, not yeah. sure that's going to go. <laughs> so, okay. So that's just one of the things here, but let's talk about what uh, the other side effects are. If a person isn't getting enough fiber aside from constipation, which of course is the first thing that the majority of people are going to think about, right. but really what are some of the more serious complications that come with not getting enough of this in your diet? Okay. Can we just have a sidebar though, that since 90 to 97% of Americans aren't getting enough, are people even going to the bathroom? I have questions and I am sorry. And maybe that's why that person in line behind you is in a bad mood. So just now, you know, wow. Um, I mean, wow. That's not very many people getting what they need to have a regular constitutional, <laughs> just saying. I wouldn't be in a good mood either. Okay, moving on. So there is an increased risk for heart disease 
and stroke and high blood pressure with low fiber intakes. And why is that? Well, there are lots of reasons. One of the big ones is that as you consume more fiber, you tend to have lower cholesterol. And cholesterol, particularly that LDL or bad cholesterol, is what causes the buildup in your arteries, which can then break free or break open and lead to a heart attack or a stroke. So that's one thing. Um, high blood pressure, it's all the same combination of factors that are leading you to all of these things. Um, certain gastrointestinal disorders, so things like diverticulosis and diverticulitis. Um, are you familiar with those? Uh, I am, in fact. Uh, just by covering sports, there was a very famous MMA fighter who had a really bad bout of uh, diverticulitis and Ooh. lost a number of years of his career to it. Oh, wow. So that was kind of my introduction to it. And uh, goodness gracious, boy, did he face an uphill battle coming back. So I'm guessing that's not something that anybody wants to have to deal with. No, you really don't. So what it is, it's um, there, there are out pouchings in the colon. So basically, and those are the diverticula. They're little, basically what happens, people don't get enough fiber. It's what they think happens anyways. And they strain to go to the bathroom and where there are weak spots in the wall of the colon, there literally are little, little pockets that form. And those are not good in general. And eating a high fiber diet can help keep them from getting infected. But if they get if they get infected, you end up in, or inflamed, I should say, you end up with diverticulitis. And that can actually be really extremely uncomfortable symptoms. Like you said, it can knock people out if they're in an athletic kind of pursuit. So not something you want to have. Eating enough fiber can help reduce the risk of getting diverticulosis and the inflammation or flares of that, which are known as diverticulitis. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Just nasty, nasty business. Um, yeah. We talk a lot about uh, reversing heart disease, reversing uh, diabetes. We've had so many success stories here on the show. In your estimation, how important of a role does fiber play in those reversals? I mean, it's huge. And I, it's not necessarily just the fiber. It's that the foods that are giving you the fiber that you need. So it is the fiber. But it's the fiber plus. Again, if you were just to sit there and like knock back some Metamucil every day, I don't think you would have the same advantages. I don't know that we actually have a study on that. But in terms of reducing the risk of type 2 diabetes and even some kinds of cancer, right? So, and that that actually gets really interesting. We can talk about that in a little more depth. But um, if you are not getting these foods, you are increasing your risk through a number of different pathways. So looking at diabetes, for example, um, we know that if you're eating these higher fiber foods, you're eating less of the foods that tend to contribute to type 2 diabetes. And also when you're getting enough fiber, it can actually help control your blood sugar just, just while you're eating, right? So I don't know. Do you want to dig into this now or do you want to dig into it later? Because I'm happy to dig into it now. Let's keep the flow going. Let's dig. Let's All right, let's digging. dig. So let's say, so we know... For one thing, we know that people who eat higher fiber diets tend to have a lower risk of diabetes. That probably is not too surprising because people tend to have a healthier weight and healthier metabolism. But the other thing is that for people who already have diabetes or pre-diabetes, eating foods that are rich in fiber, particularly soluble fiber, can actually help slow the absorption of glucose into the blood. And that what that does is prevent your blood sugar from spiking and dropping. That's what we're looking for. So we want to have a nice slow rise and fall in blood sugar. That's what our bodies are accustomed to um, versus if you were just to, you know, drink a soda or a cup of apple juice, your blood sugar would rise and fall. So eating a high fiber diet can even help control blood sugar 
in someone with diabetes. So that's kind of exciting. And can I do one more thing on diabetes? Of course. Of course. Okay. So there are actual prebiotic fibers in beans in particular. I know the beans. You can't be the fiber queen without beans and greens. We're going to talk about those. The um, bean queen. The bean queen. So I really, maybe I need a new moniker because I really feel like the bean people should pay me. They don't. Bean people. Are you listening? <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, goodness. I'm kidding. Um, so what happens is the the particular fibers, the prebiotic fibers in beans actually feed the bacteria in your colon in such a way that it feeds back in a feedback loop to help you stay fuller longer and control your blood sugar aside from just the absorption. Like the day after you eat beans, your blood sugar will be better than the day you ate them than it would have been otherwise if you're eating beans. So it's just a very cool, it almost feels like magic. It's not, it's biochemistry, but it's just another reason to eat more high fiber foods. For real, so beans have like a, a 24 hour effect in that regard, like a long lasting effect. They're like it's, a time yeah. release capsule, so to speak. I mean, kind that's pretty incre uh, incredible. It's not necessarily that they're a time release capsule and forgive me, it's been a little while since I've looked at this particular study I'm thinking of, but. It's, their, it's the impact that they have on your gut flora. So when you get those prebiotic fibers that of the particular types that are in beans, I think the study was done with, <clears throat> with brown beans, but I'm not positive on exactly which variety. Um, those bacteria put out their own chemicals and um, what those chemicals do is then feed back on your own receptors and metabolism to help you control your blood sugar, not just the day you eat the beans, because the beans help you slow the absorption of glucose into your blood, but then the day after through their effects on your gut flora and the effects of those gut flora on your own body. So it's really neat what just a humble bean can do in terms of helping control blood sugar. I mean this in the most lovable sense. You are a nutrition nerd, and that is the <laughs> greatest thing ever. So thank you for being you. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> it's a good thing. We should celebrate this nerdum. Like, Man, where was the celebration when I was in middle school? Can we? Can I just ask that question? <laughs> they kids were celebrating internally. They just wanted to be right. one of the cool kids. Uh huh. Okay. But you yes, stood out sure. from the crowd. You marched to the beat of your own bean okay. drum, and so here you are today, nerding out in the best possible way and helping people. So own it, accept it, love it, embrace it. I wish I had queen. been nerding out about beans when I was in middle school. I was not. And hence why I had border, borderline high cholesterol myself in middle school. It's perfectly healthy now. Yay, plant-based diets. But it was not always this way. I know. I know. It wasn't always this way for me either. I think that that's probably the case for the majority of people. Yeah. It's not always this way. You know, no. you, mm -mm. you got to go through it to get to where it is that you are today. True um, story. Fiber and weight loss. I know that they kind of go hand in hand as well. Talk to me about the connection there. Absolutely. So again, part of it is that the foods that contain fiber tend to be very high in nutrients while they're also low in calories. So a few exceptions there, things like nuts and avocado, but your fruits, your veggies, your whole grains, your beans, those are where you get your fiber. And they just don't have that many calories for the amount of food you eat. And there's been some research and it's actually, this was done like 20 years ago. None of this is news, but for every additional 14 grams of fiber you eat a day, that's linked to a 10% decrease in calorie intake. And it's not like, oh, I've eaten my 14, so I'm gonna stop. It's just the calculus that your body does all by itself. So when they give people food and they let them eat as much as they want, if they're eating more fiber, they tend to decrease their calorie intake, which unsurprisingly leads to weight loss. So another really great reason to eat more fiber-rich foods. And fun mm. fact, 14 grams of fiber, that's what you'd get in about a cup of beans. 
So it's not a huge ask. I'm, no. I don't know about you, but I'm eating a cup of beans pretty much every day. Beans for the, oh, I'm, I'm on top of that. Yeah, beans as, typically, yeah. <laughs> uh, all, I've, well, all this week, I've been hitting them for both uh, lunch and dinner. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yep. It's like I'll do red beans for lunch and black beans for dinner and then nice. switch it up. Or maybe sometimes I'll get Rebel. really kind of fancy and do cannellini beans. Ooh. And then, ooh, I know, right? <laughs> Nutrition cannellini or, beans. Yes, get fancy up in here. I know. Bougie beans. Um, <laughs> bougie all right. <laughs> so um, we, we just hit on the biggies uh, with the chronic diseases there. But I know that fiber also has some really cool benefits that don't get spoken about nearly as often. Let's rattle off some of those and begin with the mental health aspect that fiber can help with. Okay. So mental health, you wouldn't think, right? Fiber, whoa, huh? In premenopausal women, and again, women tend to be have a higher risk of things like depression and anxiety. They have found that consuming more fiber is linked to a lower risk of symptoms from depression. So specifically people who ate 21 grams of fiber a day, from fruits, the veggies, the whole grains, the beans, just all the foods were less likely to have depressive symptoms compared to those who didn't eat that much fiber. So that's a pretty cool side benefit, like eat more fiber, feel a little bit happier, a little less, a little less down. I think we can all get on board with that. That's a good reason to go grab an apple. And it may simply go back to what it was you were talking about earlier in the show, as far as feeling better if you've had your constitution. <laughs> They didn't, they didn't, that was not a variable they controlled for, but you got to wonder, right? Although fun fact that it fibers ability to actually change the gut flora and in ways that reduce inflammation and oxidative stress, the authors of the study actually looked at that as a possible mechanism for why this works. So it's actually not entirely, it's not, it's not totally just ingest. No, no, I mean, I'm dead. You and I both know anecdotally here, I'm telling you, there is something to it 100%. Yep. Um, on a more serious note, though, uh, a specific form of cancer that fiber seems to help with quite a bit, and that is breast cancer. What do you know about that connection? Right. Yeah, we would normally think of fiber for colon cancer, right? But what we do know is that higher fiber intake is linked to a lower risk of developing breast cancer. And this isn't just in one study, this is in multiple studies. Um, one sort of systematic review broke it down. And what they found was that women who consumed the most fiber had an 8% lower risk for both pre and postmenopausal breast cancers compared to those who consume the least fiber, right? And the strongest link here was with soluble fiber. And so again, some of the soluble fibers, basically in everything that has fiber, there are two main kinds of fiber, but that soluble is especially good for a couple of different reasons, right? One is the one we mentioned already, and that is in terms of controlling blood sugar. And you're like, blood sugar, cancer. Yeah, having elevated blood sugar is actually, like diabetes in general, is linked to a higher risk of cancer. So that's one. Um, but that soluble fiber can also help you have healthier estrogen levels. Basically, it binds to the waste estrogen that your body puts into the GI tract to try and get rid of. So basically, your body puts excess estrogen and cholesterol into bile that gets secreted into your gastrointestinal tract. And if you have enough fiber, the fiber, particularly soluble fiber, can actually bind to that waste estrogen and help you just get rid of it the next time you have that constitutional. Um, so that's one of the reasons. And again, it also comes back. This, the data is still not entirely in on this, but they are thinking that healthier gut flora can also, are also involved in this you know, sort of protective effect with fiber and breast cancer. And then, of course, all the 
phytochemicals and protective nutrients that come with those high fiber foods. What about arthritis? This one was pretty surprising to me when this popped up on the list here. What what in the world? How can fiber help with this? Well, again, it's a good, that's a great question. But what we have seen again, and this is information that comes from the uh, osteoarthritis initiative. Say that three times fast. Yeah, and the Framingham Offspring Cohort Study. Wow, tongue twisters. Um, that those who got the most fiber had a thirty percent lower risk for that osteoarthritis initiative, nailed it, and a 61% lower risk for people from the Framingham studies for knee osteoarthritis compared to those who ate the least fiber. So again, what's going on here? It's hard to know. Again, if we're looking at fiber helping the gut flora to or helping encourage the growth of anti-inflammatory gut flora, that's certainly a possibility. Again, the foods that you're going to get fiber in are also going to be less inflammatory in general. So there are a couple of different possible mechanisms that I can think of right off that might account for this. But hey, again, can't hurt to try. Go have some beans, have a piece of whole grain bread and some fruit. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, no doubt about that. That sounds like a great breakfast, actually. Um, yeah. So yeah. here, here's an interesting one. As people are transitioning to a plant-based diet, right? They, they're they probably worried about getting cravings for the type of food that they have, yeah. been eating, whether it's Snickers bars or pizza or anything like that. But I believe that some of the research that you sent over also said that fiber may actually help to curb those cravings. Yeah. And again, it's one of the reasons. So I know I say beans and greens, but I say that because your darker, dark leafy greens and beans tend to both be very high in fiber. And it's one of the foods that those two foods actually in general, anyone who's come to see me in the clinic, <clears throat> I would imagine at some point they've heard me say beans and greens because not only do those foods help support lower blood pressure and help you stay full, but they have actually been shown to reduce food cravings. So how great is that? You know, like I had a bean burrito for lunch and now I don't, yeah, I might still be like, oh, yeah, I wish I could have some Doritos, but it doesn't have the same kind of power. So again, food is not magic, but you really, you should use it to your advantage in any way you can. And Absolutely. fiber is your friend. <laughs> fiber. See, now there you need a mug, you need a t-shirt, yes. and you need the fiber website. Fiber is your friend. Build the brand, Lee Crosby. Build it's happening. It's going to. fiber brand. I'm on yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so you have a zest for life. I have I a do. zest for life. We enjoy yep. being here. Uh, fiber, true or false, can actually help keep you around, get you a couple extra trips around the sun. I mean, that's what the data suggests. So we can't guarantee that if you eat a lot of fiber, you're going to be 100. But no. there was a meta-analysis published in the American Journal of Epidemiology that showed that so people who are getting the most fiber during the study periods, and these studies went for up to 10 years, um, they were 19% less likely to die during that study period compared with those who ate the least fiber. So um, that's a that's a nice effect to have. If, if no other reason, hey, I'm going to live longer, that's a pretty good reason to eat those fiber-rich foods. And then they also looked at 17 studies that had almost a million participants, and they found that for every 10 grams of fiber, that someone consumed daily, they cut the risk of dying by 10%. So again, why is that? All the reasons we've talked about, right? It's good, it helps lower cholesterol levels, it helps lower blood pressure, it helps you control your weight, it helps you feel better. So again, making sure that you're eating a diet that is just solidly founded on fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, it really does help 
lower your risk of dying before your time. Well, see, now that's the good qualifier. I love these studies that just leave it as it lowers the risk of death. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a certainty funny, for but... all of us. Yeah, you know? it's going to happen. It's like you have a nineteen yes. percent less uh, less risk of dying. I was like, no kidding, I'm going to live forever. No, I know. that's not what we're saying. Risk of dying, but when? That's the question. Yeah, yeah, no. So, yeah. so I appreciate you clearing that up in case there was any confusion. <laughs> yes, again, these studies are looking at people over up to a ten year period. So, it, what it really means is you're likely to live longer and hopefully more active and in a healthier way if you're eating plenty of fiber in your diet. Oh, that's the goal right there. Yeah. Longer, healthier life. You yep. know, that we want to be active and moving. Yep. We don't want, yep. That's the goal. <laughs> there you go. Um, let's talk about the foods that do not have fiber in case somebody's a newbie to this and they're like, Ooh, I'm going to eat a healthier diet. Let me look at fiber. So what foods do not have any fiber in them whatsoever? Mm, these are the womp womp foods. We have meat, <laughs> we have dairy products, cheese, these kinds of things oils they've taken. So first off, fiber is only found in plant foods. So you're not going to find it in animal products. And in some of the very refined plant foods, you won't find it either. <laughs> check your check a Pepsi can or any soda. I'm not just trying to call out one, but any of your sodas, you look for the fiber in there. <laughs> what you going to find? Big fat zero. Um, so no fiber in any of those like super, super processed. Basically, I'm thinking sugars, sodas and oils also are all devoid of fiber. All right. Now let's talk about, you, you said processed foods there. And I think that that's something that gets overlooked as people, especially as they're just getting going with a plant-based diet. Um, let's talk about how the fiber can be stripped out of a food naturally. So got a little head to head comparison. So let's just start with say eating a apple versus drinking the apple juice, right? <laughs> yeah. So the fiber difference there is? So you're eating a raw apple with the skin, you're getting about four grams of fiber and you're eating the apple juice. So you just get all that pulp out of there and you're getting zero grams. So again, it makes a pretty good case for it. Just go ahead and eat that whole apple. Mm -hmm. And then like breakfast cereals, right? So you've got bran flakes. Okay. Just a generic bran flake versus a corn flake. Which is the more fiberous option there? I don't know, but it's actually the amount. So actually the bran flakes have about 10 times the fiber of the corn flakes. Wow. So yeah. And part of this is for the processing. I don't know exactly how corn flakes are made, but I suspect given that whole corn has a decent amount of fiber that they're, they're doing a lot of stripping out of that fiber to get to this sort of zero and in, in a, in a half cup serving, we're looking at zero point four grams of fiber versus four grams of fiber. Move that decimal point over um, for bran flakes. Let's look at a couple of things that are in virtually every kitchen around the world, really. Uh, let's start with brown bread versus white bread. So by brown bread, I'm, I'm assuming that the researchers here meant uh, whole wheat bread. So what's the right. difference there versus, say, Wonder Bread? Yeah. So again, and it, it, it can vary because some of the manufacturers will add in extra fiber to try and make the bread look a little healthier than it is. Um, and it, again, these data that we're looking at are not looking in general at supplemental fibers that are added. They're looking at the naturally occurring fibers, but typically hundred percent whole wheat bread is going to have about twice the fiber of something like a white bread. So even white bread has a little bit of fiber, but you're going to get twice as much in general, if you're going for the whole wheat version. What about brown rice versus white rice? 
All right, brown rice, you're actually getting about four times the fiber. And that wow. is because they leave its little fiber coat on it. So, you know, you want to make sure that you're well dressed. So have your rice with the little coat on it. Okay. Is I mean, is that the difference there? I mean, like what yeah. what okay, that's that's so it. four grams. So if we're looking at a cup cooked, there's about four grams per a cup cooked of brown rice and about one gram per cup cooked of white rice. Wow. Yeah. That's a significant difference. That is, uh, as you research types say, statistically significant. I would imagine so. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and really quickly here, before we learn how to actually make sure that we're getting enough fiber in our diet, let's talk about the two different forms of fiber that are out there. What are they? Okay. <laughs> I get all choked up about it. So excited. I know. It's such uh, an emotional topic. It really is. So we've, we've, we've alluded to this and we've mentioned soluble fiber that's the, they're, they're both present in most foods that have naturally occurring fiber. Um, it's just that some have more of one kind or the other. Soluble fiber is great. It helps lower cholesterol, right? And it helps, you know, keep your hormone levels healthy again by in the gastrointestinal tract, soaking up the waste cholesterol, soaking up the waste hormones in your digestive tract, keeping you from reabsorbing them. Nobody wants to reabsorb their own waste. That is gross. And then whisking it out of the body when you have your daily or however many times a day you go, constitutional. Um, soluble fiber, really rich in beans, oats, lentils, barley, some vegetables, some fruits. And then insoluble fiber, that's just the scrub brush that rolls through your intestine, acts like a broom, kind of cleans everything out. Do you have a favorite? Like, can you play favorites here? I kind of do. Honestly, soluble fiber is just much more, it's just cooler. It's oh. got more, it's got more depth. It has more going on. I'm so sorry, insoluble fiber. Please forgive me. I know you have many wonderful qualities and I also think you're great, but <laughs> soluble. Soluble for the win. For the win. Uh, all right. So now the big question, how do we know if we're getting enough fiber? That is the key here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So luckily we have with Physicians Committee, a cute little quick fiber check that basically just scores your diet and it's pretty quick to pick up, right? So we, that link, I don't know if you can put it in the show yeah, notes. It's, it's or... up on the screen right now as a matter of oh, fact. Oh, hey, and, look uh, at yeah. And if you're okay. listening to this, uh, go ahead and click in the show notes. We'll drop a link off to it as well. Okay, great. So what you're seeing here is just a very handy, quick way to kind of assess your intake. So I think this is worth doing for a few days just to see where how everything stacks up, right? Again, we're really looking for each point here is the equivalent of a gram of fiber. So again, we're looking for 35 to 40. That's our sort of target place. So beans, you'll see they top the list. There's a reason I am a huge fan of beans, seven points or seven grams and a half cup. And some beans are a little lower. Chickpeas are around six, but other ones are, are higher. I think black beans are up around eight eight points in this system. Um, a cup of soy milk, half cup of tofu, those also score a point. They've had some of the fiber taken up, but not all of it. Veggies, you're usually getting about four points a serving. Um, lettuce, you got to double up to get to that four points. Fruit, about three points. And then you can see on the grain front, you can watch the processing happen. So one point for your processed grains, right? Like we saw with the white bread, you're getting about a gram um, per slice fiber, two points for your whole wheat, processed grains, so things like breads, <clears throat> and then three points for the whole grains themselves, where you're actually eating the intact grain the way it grew out of the ground or very close to it, four points for oatmeal, 
Um, and I have extra love for oatmeal because it's really rich and soluble fiber. And then eight <laughs> points for bran because that's pretty much the straight up fiber. Right on. And then uh, right below that, of course, yeah. meat, poultry, fish, eggs, dairy, soda, all of them with yeah. those big fat zeros Gross. that you were talking about. And also the oils are not on this page, but they should be because oils, no fiber. No, nah, no fiber. Mm -hmm. This, this, you know, uh, it, it kind of, I guess if you're just getting going can be a game. Oh, you yeah. know, add it all up, you know, so you see if you can top the previous day score. But I mean, do you really want to make sure that you're going from that, you know, 16 grams of fiber a day up to that 40 overnight? Or is this something that you really want to just kind of ramp up incrementally? I am so glad you asked. Please don't go from zero to 40 in one day. You will not like me. You That fiber woman, she's the worst, right? <laughs> I mean, if you do that, like we said, this is feeding the good flora in your gut, right? So if you are suddenly changing what you're feeding the bacteria that hang out with you 24 seven, what's gonna happen is the ones that don't like fiber, the unhealthy ones, they're gonna die. And the ones that love fiber are gonna be having a field day. They're gonna be so excited. And what that means is they're gonna be producing gas. Um, if until the until the sort of balance of power has settled down. So you want to make sure you just slowly you may not want to if you're at the 16 grams level right now, you might want to shoot for like, hey, let's go for 20. Let's just do that for a week. And then we'll step it up to 25. And then we'll step it up to 30. Give your give your gut and the flora in your gut some time to adjust. You will be much happier for it. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and file that under things I wish I knew before I adopted a plant-based <laughs> diet. Uh, the first two oh, weeks, man, that that was rough. I have I have told the story a couple of times of just you know every single time I would eat, I would just be bloated to the moon, and it was so mm -hmm. painful. And I was like up in the middle of the night doing sit-ups, like oh, trying to force the gas out. I'm dead serious. I was in my in-laws' kitchen on the floor doing sit-ups, trying to force out the gas while everybody else was asleep. That is fantastic. At least they were asleep when this was going down. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> when it finally it. works, I mean, you don't want company for that. No, 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 definitely. Don't do that. Needed some alone time. Dear listeners, don't do that. No, no. Take it easy. Yeah. Easy, easy goes. So and now, also, if you're in a place where your tummy is a little bit upset, you might dial back on fiber for a couple of days until everything settles down and mm -hmm. then return. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, you think, uh, so say, do you think like two months is, is, uh, adequate enough time to, to get everything oh, ramped up? Oh yeah. 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 The, if it's taking more than two months and you're still having symptoms, that's an indicator that something is a little sideways mm. and that you might want to check in with your healthcare provider because things should be, you know, we're all a little different, but things should be the, 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 the kerfuffle that's happening in your gut should be settled down by that point. Yeah, I think uh, for my wife and I, she went through the same thing, but she did not do the sit-ups. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it really was. It was like two, two and a half weeks. And then one morning we woke up and it was just kind of gone. Yeah. Um, it, it was just it just up and vanished. It was the craziest thing. Yeah. So I will say this. There's there's a study for that. So they did a study <laughs> for most people. A half cup of beans per day does not lead to a, a noticeable increase in gas. So you get above that. So if you're not used to eating beans, you could go up to half a cup to start. Um, one nice way to do it is to sort of break it up into lunch or into and into dinner. So you're not even doing it all at one time. Um, but usually you can start pretty safely around half a cup. But when you start to get above that, just hang out 
half cup, quarter cup at the beginning. If you're not used to eating beans, let your gut just kind of find its groove and then you can start increasing. And I think that somebody should start this transition over to a plant-based diet by working with you uh, because you do uh, work with patients at the Barnard Medical Center and you can hold their hand and, and guide them through this whole process and tell them not to go to 40 grams overnight, you know? <laughs> yeah. And we actually, we, we do, it, I, I, it's very tailored to what each person needs. And we do try to make it fun because if yeah. it's not fun, it's, it's sticking to something where it's like mm, snooze. Nobody needs that. No. There's enough of that in life. You got what you eat should bring you joy. I think it would be impossible to work with you and it not be fun. You just Ooh, don't. I'm sure, have, I'm sure there's people, but you know, I, we try. We try. You, you know, you, you don't have that humdrum, boring personality. No, no, no. You bring the life to the table. So I, I think that. All you of your patients. Keep on talking. This is sounding great. Yeah. All of your patients, <laughs> you know, should get down on their knees and thank the good Lord above every night that Lee Crosby is. In I their am life. certain that's what every single one of them does <laughs> before they go to sleep. I am so glad that Lee is my dietitian. Yep. Uh, yes. God <laughs> bless mommy. God bless Eddie. And God bless my dietitian Lee. Uh, all right, <laughs> Lee Crosby, the Fiber Queen. Thank you so wow. very much. I appreciate you. Thanks, Chuck. They don't call her the fiber queen for nothing. Lee Crosby, she is the absolute best. And again, you can find a link to set up an appointment with her in the episode notes, as well as links to give her a follow on Twitter and Instagram. She is sure to help you get your gut ready to find its groove. And I'm telling you, the fun-loving person that you see and you hear on the show, that is the same person who you will work with. She's not putting on airs here. Lee is as genuine of a soul as they come, and she truly cares about the health of each and every one of her patients. So go ahead and schedule an appointment with her today. She'll also be participating in the upcoming Heart Health Immersion. That will be on Saturday, April 17th, so this is your last chance to register. Joining her will be Dr. Robert Osfeld. He's going to be speaking along with Dr. Judy Brangman. Dr. Neil Cooper will also be in the house, as well as our own doctors, Dr. Vanita Rahman and Dr. Jazz, Jasmal Sardana. They will also be there, along with our friend who is a doctor-to-be, Brooklyn Palmer. All of them going to be talking about your diet and your heart and staying healthy. You're also going to hear inspirational stories and get an opportunity to check in on some cooking demonstrations so you can start feeding your heart right away with what it needs to pump its best. And maybe the most fun part of the entire day, this immersion, is the opportunity you will have to get a virtual workout with celebrity trainer Marco Borges. He works with Beyonce, don't you know? And so he's working with Beyonce and you could be next on his client list. So go ahead and sign up today, pcrm.org slash immersion. And if you register with a friend or a loved one, you're gonna save. So Saturday, April 17th, pcrm.org slash immersion, or just click the link in the episode notes. And finally today, I wanna say thank you to Sharon McRae from the Forks Over Knives Group in Columbia, Maryland for having me come on and speak via Zoom with a wonderful group of people 
who were looking to improve their health with a plant-based diet. So I want to say thank you to you all for allowing me to spend some time with you. And I cannot wait to hear how your health is progressing. And for today's show, that's going to do it. I want to say thank you one more time to the Fiber Queen, Dietitian Lee Crosby. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.